Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen. Kevin is off to cons, but we have a special guest to talk about his thoughts on Hong Kong and Chinese cinema and the pan-Asian film Helios. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of East Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong, China, and other parts of Asia. I'm your host, uh, Paul Fox, and joining me from his writing desk in a dark corner of Wong Jing's editing room is Mr. Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com. Hey, how you doing, Paul? How's it going, Ross? Uh, you know. <laughs> that bad, huh? Uh, it's not bad. It's just, it's just you know, the way it is. Yeah, so... What's up? Uh, no, we're doing doing pretty well. Um, just we're just off of Mother's Day here in Hong Kong, and uh, I was fortunate my parents came into town, so I had a rare chance to actually celebrate Mother's Day with my mother. Um, so it was nice to be able to do that. Of course, she was spending much more time with my daughter, her granddaughter, than with me. But it was all good. We had a we had a good time. We went over to Macau for the weekend, and mm. uh, and came back. And uh, have you been over there? They've got a really good uh, the. The uh, Sands Casino has a really good uh, DreamWorks thing. Really? What's uh, what's the, uh, they, the center um, of it? They have um, inside the hotel. They've got character sessions that come out um, in through various different times of the day. So different of the different DreamWorks characters. You've got the characters from Madagascar, characters from Shrek, uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Um, what's the other one? There's another one I'm missing. Um, but Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, Kung Fu Panda. Uh, those are the four big ones. And they've got a parade that happens at 3 p.m., I think, every day. And then they have this thing called the Shrek Fist, which is this really awesome buffet breakfast that you can book. And the Shrek Fist has all the characters come out, and you can take pictures with them while you're eating at the buffet. Um, and it's really, it, they do a really nice job of it. There's a, it's, it's about an hour and a half, and um, they've got an MC and, uh, some of the characters come out and dance and you can go up on stage and take pictures. Some come out into the audience and go table to table. Uh, and it's a really good time. Uh, they're really trying to give Disney uh, a run for their money with this kind of, um, exhibit. Very, very well done. You get a chance to go to Macau and you've got little ones. It's, um, definitely something you want to try and catch. But I don't think my little one is going to understand what the hell is going on if he goes there. So. Probably, probably not. Um, we took... We took uh, Zan when she was uh, about two and two and a half the first time, and she kind of didn't know what was going on. But this this time when we took her, um, she's uh, um, almost no. When did we take her? She's going to be three. Sorry, you know we took her when she's about one and a half, but she's almost three, and she really responded well this time. Um, mm. She was very very into it and going up to the characters and, and taking pictures of them. She was much more engaged. Uh, do you uh, do you show her all those movies? No, not yet. Um, she's seen uh, scenes from some of them, um, and she like knows the song from Frozen. 
I guess they play that a That's lot horrible. at our school. That's horrible. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just, you know, but um, this whole subject is dead to me. No, yeah, no. we haven't. We haven't shown her any of the full movies yet because I still think they're a little bit too much um, to take in 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 some of the some of the action, some of the violence, some of the editing. I think um, she's into Peppa Pig right now is the big thing. Uh, Peppa Pig, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I only bought one disc. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, it just keeps going over and over and over. So, yeah, that's the, that's the big thing. She, has, she doesn't really have the attention span yet for full-length movies yet, but I, I think about another year she'll probably, um, probably be able to sit longer through. Uh, although she can sit through, you know, hours, an hour of repetition of, you know, the mini Pe Peppa Pig movies, but they kind of just run for like two, three minutes or so, and then it's on to the next one. So as I said, Kevin is off at cons, rubbing shoulders and hobnobbing and doing all that uh, fancy stuff. So we're very pleased that Ross can uh, join us this week to talk a little bit about films and a little bit about our main film for this week, that being Helios. Before we get to that, though... Uh, no news uh, proper this week, because that is, of course, Kevin's domain. But we do want to spend some time talking with Ross about uh, some of the things going on, um, some of the work he's doing, uh, and some of the other stuff in, in general with regard to Hong Kong cinema itself. Now, in our last show, episode, uh, I think, 161, I had mentioned that the next show was very likely going to be an Avengers show, an actual West screen show for a change. And so we actually got, we're fortunate enough to get Avengers a week before the States and went out and saw it. I really liked it. And then suddenly um, this whole issue with, uh, I guess we'll call it gender gate, um, yeah, started brewing. And uh, the next thing I know, I was reading about Joss Whedon quitting Twitter as a result. And then he said it wasn't because of that. But uh, apparently a lot of people are up in arms because of, uh, certain things were revolving around the Black Widow character, and I just kind of was like, uh, I don't think I, you know, want to do a show right now about this. Um, and I do realize that there's some legitimate gripes out there. Um, I saw the show before the incident happened, and then I went and saw it again last week with my parents after all this had happened. And uh, in the second viewing, I can kind of see some of the issues that people had. Um, I think they did a really good breakdown of a lot of the grievances against the character in general that go beyond the movie itself um, over on io9. So if you're familiar with that site, um, I'd, I'd ask you to go read and, and track down Meredith Warner's um, uh, entry on it because she really breaks, breaks it down from the sort of feminist perspective and why people are upset with both the movie and with other things. Um, and I can respect the ideas that, you know, okay, there's no toys out there for Black Widow. Um, and yeah, that's definitely a grievance that I think can be levied at Disney slash uh, ABC. Um, and I've heard reasons as to why um, they're not doing, you know, female characters um, in the toy line. We won't get into that here, but I do think that's a legitimate grievance. As to the grievances about the character in the show... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can see them. I didn't have a huge problem with them. My wife and my mother both thought the character was fine. They didn't come out of the film feeling abused or feeling like um, she had been misportrayed in any way, shape, or form. But then again, they are not your average, you know, geek girl who follows this with um, a devout passion like many of us do. Um, Ross, you had some thoughts on Avengers? Um... Yeah, I, I saw it only once, so I don't 
you know, I don't have the benefit of going back to see it again after all the brouhaha. I did read about it, you know, but I've read a lot of different streets about it. I've done, read, like, you know, a lot of the feminist perspective. I've read a lot of the, the other perspective. You know, I, I think on some level, yes, there is a business perspective to it that people have to pay attention to. Of course, you know, how are you going to know if you don't open it up, blah, 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 and do all the, uh, and take the risks and try to be more diverse and try to, uh, you know, uh, be inclusive. Um, this is all important, but... I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's. Has it ever been ever been proven that this stuff is is really uh, that the business is going to be there for the effort you put into it? I guess the the idea is you got to do it no matter what. So business be damned. But you know, Marvel is not a charity. Sorry, I'm going to say it like that. This is really mean. I know, and it's it's not what people want to hear, and it's it's not. I'm being really callous towards the feelings of many people when I say that. But this is a reality, you know, and. And the sad part is when someone like you know from Marvel talks about it, they'll they'll pussyfoot around it, but that's the reality. It's business, and, and the reality is they will sell more Quinjets when the bike has Captain America on it than it has Black Widow on it. Because unless they make two different versions, then. and they can be short packed, and then the girls will never get the one with Black Widow because crazy code collector guys will buy that one. <laughs> you know they'll stock the toy aisle, and the girls will never get it. So in the end, it doesn't really work. Um, no, I'm just joking. Um, in truth, yeah, I actually when I saw it once, I I did notice that. Uh, I, I did, it did occur to me that the Black Widow. I didn't really go for her story in it because I felt that it was full of cliches. They, they are sexless cliches ultimately, um, but um, it didn't kill the experience for me. But it did bother me. I I just thought that the character needed needed something else. She needed her own story. She needed a. She, she was a kind of an ornament in some ways on. Uh, Hulk story. She has her own thing in it too, so it's it's not like imp it's not like completely bad or anything. But I, I did think that that we didn't got lazy. Um, the whole uh, tough girl falls for the uh, nerd guy thing. Yeah, it, it's it, to me it, it that's that's really like you know that's like weird science. So it, it's it's not something that uh, yeah I, I wasn't impressed by that story. Um, so it, it could have been better better handled uh, i think you know avengers 2 i have gripes with anyway um I, I just don't think it's as good as the first one it's not not as fun um at this point you know especially with civil war coming up it's it's like now they're stretching it just to have heroes fight heroes and, and then that's, that's that's something i think you do way later when you're really running out of ideas so so i had other gripes with uh with avengers besides just the black widow thing so to me it's a footnote mm -hmm. and all the other things i thought that ha i had issues with about the movie there is some discussion that, um, you know, Whedon's original cut was close to three hours and that there's, I guess, about, because I think the, the cut we saw is about two and a half hours. So there is a good 30 minutes of footage that can be put back in, hopefully in a future Blu-ray release, um, mm -hmm. if I've read correctly, that might shed some more light on things that people have been um, talking about in terms of some of the problems in pacing and, and characterizations. I know that there was some discussion about giving actual more weight to Black Widow's backstory um, and, um, you know, things that were supposed to be brought up rather than just um, you know, what was shown in, in the film. So maybe that will rectify some things or maybe it'll just, you know, make them worse. We'll just have to, I guess, wait and see. Uh, what comes about you know I, while i i'm not really you know on the whole bandwagon about this uh this brouhaha over avengers 
and well, Joss Whedon leaving Twitter is another thing. That's just bizarre. I don't even want to get you know. That's just weird. Twitter is a mistake anyway. It's just you know people. Yeah, it's a gigantic tool for people yelling at each other, which you know, is is completely legitimate because it's like your own one big room. So, you well, know, the, and the, the the thing with Twitter, and, and this was my only real comment on the situation after I noticed it come up, was when did geek culture become so angry and vitriolic? It's like, I but just, it's all sides of it. It's not one side. See, that's the thing. You know, I know there's this Gamergate thing where you know it's oh no, all the evil boy gamers are mean and angry at women. Yeah, that's what they it's, say. It's just the language. It's everybody. It's the it's language everybody. that was being used. It's like all, oh, you know, death to you and F this and F that. And and it, this was actually feminists saying it to Joss Whedon. And it just seems to me that I'm, maybe I'm naive and maybe I'm nostalgic, but, you know, going to conventions and things and, and kind of being involved in this culture back in the 90s, you know, because it was more of a subculture than a mainstream culture, you... you you didn't find this kind of bullying going on. Sure, you could have disagreements about stuff, but it was there was a kind of camaraderie. Now we've we've become the bullies that used to bully but us. You know who are who are the bullies though? Who are you just referring to? The, all these people who are who are being so angry and 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 you know using foul language and directing them at you know content creators because they didn't like this or they didn't like that. I mean, it's 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 fine to have an opinion. But to really go into personal attacks, I mean, just because you didn't like the way that somebody wrote something or filmed something or portrayed something, I mean, this becomes kind of the status quo now. The thing is, I think everyone needs to really step back. But, you know, I think it's, it's we've gone too far. It's never going to be the same anymore. You know, Twitter has changed it. Everyone has a voice now. Mm. You know, I can talk to Joss Whedon or I can talk, you know, in a way I can talk to him. If he, Even if he doesn't read it, everyone else will see that I was talking to him. So, you know, there, there's 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 many things that play into that people suddenly become bigger than they are yeah you know i can look really really big and really really popular like you know i, I matter if i get those retweets and i have twenty thousand followers but you know it's like what am i really doing i'm still sitting in my room in my underwear in front of my computer <laughs> and uh and you know and you know i can feel satisfied with myself and then some other guy and like you know in like you know in northern europe can be like yeah rt you know, but what does that mean you know nothing it's in the end you know you're still walking down to the convenience store to have your instant noodles alone <laughs> so it's it's all empty and that's the thing you know but people still lean on it it's so weird that people put so much of their lives into this online culture and you know your your likes and your retweets and your your personal twitter armies that you can use to harass people like you know you can go well i didn't like this guy and then you know oh it would be nice if people just kind of said something to him and suddenly like all these people appear in a twitter storm to yell at the person you don't like you know that happens all the time right mm. people sick their armies on people it, it's sad it's a playground mentality and it's it's not one side or like or like enlightened progressives or angry conservatives or whatever doing it. it's all sides you know mm. everyone just pointing fingers at each other it, you can't get away from that unfortunately this is how the discourse is as for why it's happening i think it's just people have too much power mm. You know, previously, if if I was in a room and Joss Whedon's on the on the stage and I stood up and said, Joss Whedon, F you, how dare you give Thor only 15 minutes? You know, if I did that, guess what happens? Security drags me out and that's it's over, mm. you know, and then I can be outside. and I could be yelling and screaming about screw Joss Whedon. I can't believe security took me out. And if that's, doing that that's a, if they're nice security. If they're not, they're coming. They're going to come in and yeah. tease you, you know. But if you do this at a con, people just walk by like, what's the matter with you, man? <laughs> Mm. But if you do this on Twitter, you're like a hero. Mm. You see, this is the thing, you know, because you know, everyone is in that position and everyone can see it. And, and, you know, one of the things I really don't get is that people on Twitter 
will follow people who are just complete asses. You know, why enable these people who just, you know, are so awful? If they behave in awful ways, just stop following them. Yeah. You know, don't enable this. But, you know, people enable it. They, they don't mind following people who stink. So, you know, and some people just think it's entertaining. Yeah. There, there are many sides to why it happens. And unfortunately, yes, it is the new normal. So I don't know why we're like this now. I know what you mean. I, was, I went to cons and stuff when I was young, and I never saw it like this. But, you know, there was a point where I, I went back after like five or six years to like an anime con, and suddenly how I saw how it was full of all these clicks. Hmm. You know, when, when anime got really, really, really mainstream in a way, and it was never really mainstream, but it, it attracted a much more diverse audience before uh, other geekery, you know, before the Avengers movies and before comic books and, and sci-fi suddenly became big with like, you know, I hate to put it this way, but before a lot of women, you know, all types of women and, and more mainstream guys started coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went to those cons before and, you know, they were fun and it's no big deal. But and then later on, you realize, yes, you know, with, with cosplay and all these things, there's all these subcultures, um, all these all these crazy just sort of uh, things happening. And it, it's it's all clicks and it's just like high school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's uh, I can't say I'm, I'm a fan. Um, it's an interesting evolution, to be sure. I I have a friend who's still in the states he you know uh goes to to many of the bigger cons and we used to go to some of the small cons back in the 90s and i just couldn't see myself going anymore they're just too big too many people too too many lines too many crowds yeah actually I, I, that's a thing that's one reason i stopped going to these things because i didn't want to be in huge crowds i liked it when there were like lots of people but not when it's like you have to wait hours to get in yeah. i mean what's the point then i mean i couldn't imagine waiting three hours to go to those marvel panels at san diego comic-con it's like it's going to be on the web in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I go like, you know, have a nice meal and, you know, talk to some people I know. And then when it's all over, I'll just hop online and you know, there it'll be. Um, and I'll still see the trailer, even though it's supposedly exclusive because someone will have pirated it. Um, but and one, th one thing I, I do want to say is that if, if this stuff is ever going to be fixed, people have to adopt, you know, there has to be something else that happens, you know, some, you know, just people have to kind of grow past this and you know it can't be an ideology it can't be a side it can't be like you know who's right and who's wrong who's bad or who's good just people just have to stop being dicks that's it and you know the only reason that they stop being dicks is because they have to realize that it doesn't help anyone if they're if they are that way hmm. that's it you know i i don't you know this is just teach your kids better you know your kid and my kid you have to teach them not to be uh you know not to be self-serving yeah. it doesn't help um it's unfortunate that it's like this now and geekery is like this but you know everyone has, everyone's empowered with yeah. the internet well there you have it a brief uh, discussion yeah this was on, all about the avengers <laughs> avengers and at the end geekery in general um, i'm most angry because captain america had more screen time than thor <laughs> so unfair you know I mean, what the hell 15 minutes versus like like 45 or something and yeah. what is this iron man you know that's wrong he, he's, yeah. he's in like 45 minutes of the movie he has his own films and they gave Paul Bettany a actual role now, so he took up more time too. It's amazing how that all worked out for him. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I think we'll we'll, we'll put a, a cork in the Avengers talk for now. But if you have some thoughts you want to share with us, of course, please write in, leave some comments on the site, or you know, uh, barrage our Twitter pages, uh, telling us how much we yes, suck. Please don't harass me though, you know, because <laughs> I I don't have a Twitter army I can call upon you to exact revenge. So please don't do it. All right. It's going to happen now. Sorry. Yeah. 
it, it's going to happen because you said, please don't. So they're going to do it despite <laughs> you. Um, all right. Before we get into our review, though, very quickly, I mean, um, let's turn to talk a little bit about Hong Kong cinema and, uh, of course, the work you do and are known for over at uh, lovehkfilm.com. Um, you've also done work, you know, local writing and, um, the, you know, very uh, sort of active in the critics community now. Um, what is your thought on the state of Hong Kong cinema now so far in 2015? Better than last year, my mm. God. Although the Lunar New Year movies this year were worse than last year's. But after Lunar New Year last year, the whole thing went downhill. Uh, this year, well, you know, I wouldn't say it's like great or anything, but you know, I have a little more hope. And, uh, you know, I don't think the year's been that terrible. Unfortunately, I, you know, now I'm going to have to wonder what came out because I don't even remember. Um you know, we we had Little Big Master was a huge, huge hit. You remember that? Yeah, that was like gigantic. It's crazy, and it's still kind of going in in some ways. I mean, I don't know how, how much is it made now. Forty? Yeah, the, I think the last time Kevin was on, we were talking about the numbers. Uh, it, it it it's just you you would did not expect it. I don't think the filmmakers expected it. Um, it's and it's a really interesting story to see. Um, you know, it, it kind of how how it parallels with the story that it's telling. And the fact that this is a little film itself that um, is going on to do big, big things as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's good, good for them. Um, you know, it's nice to see. Uh, I, I wish it were more indicative of like the health of the industry, but unfortunately, it's just a flash in the pan. It's yeah. just you know one of those uh, things that happens that you can't really explain. And you know, it's great that it happens, but it's not going to speak to some you know some revival of the market or some sort of uh, trend. You can't really say that it means something. Um, you know, they, they're not going to, you're not going to do another public interest story and it's going to make 40 mil <laughs> just doesn't happen. Yeah. So, it's, you know, otherwise the year has been, been okay so far. I wouldn't say it's been great. Like I said, it, there've been some highlights and some lowlights, unfortunately. Um, I don't know what you guys have been talking about on the show. Sorry. I have not been paying attention to much. I've been really busy or super busy, um, since like last year. Uh, with uh, writing for the Udine Far East Film Festival. I, I did some stuff for uh, Hong Kong International Film Festival, Hong Kong Asian Film Festival, plus my my, my columns that I do for uh, Baccarat, and then the website. So, yeah, i I just been super busy outside of... I haven't been able to keep up with anything. In fact, this is like the first time in like months that I don't have a second thing to do outside of the website. I, I, I've just finished a column, and finally, it's just like clear sailing for like the next... I don't know, however long until something else pops up. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. But um, maybe the something like the uh, Love HK film. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's, yeah, something else is coming up now. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. You know, yes, there is something else. Okay, I have to take care of the Love HK Film Awards. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, you know, what, what, did, what have you thought about this year so far? I mean, last year was really bad, but we were thinking that towards the end of the year. I mean, this year, maybe you have a little more to look forward to. But even then, we don't know if the stuff is going to be good or be a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's been some surprises. I, I think, uh, you know, looking over um, what we've covered um, in the year so far, um, I was very surprised by the Gigolo, you know, not thinking I would enjoy a Category 3 movie. Um, and it turned out that I, that I kind of did. And uh, Little Big Master, uh, Lost in Love, I think, has been was a really powerful film. And, I, uh, I like that actually. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Even, even um, the, the I think the last two films we talked about, uh, 
Two Thumbs Up and uh, Angel Whispers, both, you know, not not perfect films, but um, both somewhat local and, and, you know, fairly entertaining. So um, I've been um, quite pleased with, you know, what we've seen so far. I do agree that I was kind of disappointed with um, the Chinese New Year films, but, you know, that's going to happen on occasion with Chinese New Year films. Oh. It's like Christmas movies, you know, you can't always have a, yeah. a, a great Christmas movie come out every year, so. Um, what, uh, two thumbs up I was okay with. Um, I think it, it works for audiences. Uh, there are a lot of problems with it, in my opinion. I liked Full Strike more, but I also, you know, funny thing is, Full Strike has a lot of problems, too. And I actually think, I think regular audiences will enjoy two thumbs up more than Full Strike. But there's some similarities between the films if you watch them both. Mm. Um, they're both really chaotic and can be really alienating if you don't take them, uh, if you, if you kind of expect too much. Um, and they kind of assault you, both of them. <laughs> Um, but there are some things to enjoy about them. You know, I, I was okay with some of the bigger films. Dragon Blade, I was fine with. Um, One Night in Taipei was completely horrible. So, uh, less said about that, the better. Okay. Um, and again, the Lunar New Year films were all right. What's this, what the uh, Triumph of the Skies was like the worst thing ever. But um, other films were not so bad. Uh, Twelve Golden Ducks. It's just you know the the, the lows so far. And the thing is, one thing is there are a lot more to look forward to this year that you kind of have hope for. Last year, maybe we look forward to things like you know Rise of the Legend, and boy, that was you know unfortunate. But this year, you know, we have stuff to look forward to, like uh, you know New Ringo Lamb movie, SPL two. Um, yeah, there's, there's stuff that that you kind of hope is is gonna like you know at least be fun. Um, Taking of Tiger Mountain. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No, I haven't seen that one yet. That's that's good. I liked it. Um, uh, Choi Hark, although it is it is really a China film, yeah. but uh, it's just still uh, you know a, a really good movie. Um, it, but you know it's really hard to judge by this point. It's only May. Yeah, and and uh, what about the things you saw in the uh, uh, Internet Hong Kong International Film Festival? Actually, I saw nothing. Oh, oh, that's right. You didn't get out to see much. I only saw like three films. I saw I saw Taking a Tiger Mountain. I saw uh, Port of Call, which uh, you know is is good in some ways, but it has a lot of problems. Um, I don't know if you talked about it with Kevin. Um, it was a closing film. Uh, it was uh, from Philip Young. He did uh, May We Chat and Glamorous Youth. You know, it's kind of a, a uh, it has like a true crime thriller part of it, but then it also is into social issues. It kind of doesn't know what it wants to be. It kind of does. It kind of uh, is too ambitious and a little too uh, a little too uh, tries to have its cake and eat it too. Really, it tries to do too much, and uh, it kind of suffers for that. I think uh, it's still worth seeing. You don't want to say it this way, but you know, there's a lot of films that are worth seeing for certain reasons. But are they good films? Uh, maybe not. Uh, Port of Call kind of falls into that, actually, unfortunately. Yeah, and are you looking forward to the um, the Johnny Toe musical that's coming up? Sure. I mean, you know, it's, the cast is amazing. That's something. It's something that's different. You'd like to... You hope that Hong Kong can do other things. So, you know, Office, it's called Office, has... Uh, I really look forward to it just because, you know, we know Johnny Toe can do it, and, you know, you haven't seen Chino and Ta- Chino Fat and Sylvia Chang together for 20-plus like, years, so... Of course, I look forward to that. There's a lot of little promising things going on. Um, no, Hong Kong, I think we have to lower expectations for Hong Kong films. This is one thing that unfortunately just comes with it. It's never going to be the way you want it to be anymore. Mm. 
so you just kind of have to lower your expectations, look for other things in them. And that's that's sad because, you know, I think the reality is that when you look at the people who, who go to these movies, the audiences, that's why they're so attracted to Hollywood films now because they don't want to lower their expectations. Mm. Um, to enjoy local films, you know they they yeah they, they don't want to lower them at all. Um, it's kind of a different discussion. Should we have to lower our expectations? I find if you do lower them, you you can at least enjoy a bit more, or you can find more worthwhile things in them, and um, and not just look for them as bang for your buck. Because if you do that, then yeah, you're probably in trouble. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's some good advice and uh, some interesting discussion of what we've seen so far this year. And a couple things to look forward to. Why don't we take a short musical interlude and we'll come back with a review of this week's film, Helios. Okay, and we're back, and we're here to talk this week about uh, the latest film from directors uh, Sunny Lok Kim Ching and Longman Lung Lok Man, uh, the two directors who were in charge of Cold War a couple years back. And this time they're telling a story um, that's a little bit perhaps more ambitious than that film was. The synopsis basically goes um, something like this. When a portable nuclear superweapon known as the DC-8 is stolen from Korea and smuggled into Hong Kong to be sold, crime units from both regions are put into play to try and track it down. But in discovering that a hidden criminal mastermind known only by the name Helios is behind the crime, China's intelligence bureau wants to take charge to try and draw him out. But doing so could put all of Hong Kong at risk. Is this what Helios wanted all along, though? Hmm... This is what you have to find, watch the film for to find out, right? Uh, so, yeah, truly a Cold War this time, because now we have a, a nuclear device at play, uh, international intrigue, and um, political standoffs. Um, you know, so they've, they've kind of gone from the Cold War label into an actual Cold War to some extent with this film. Uh, before I get in too deep into my thoughts on the film, uh, Ross, what were your thoughts on Helios? Helios. Um, it's uh, the most expensive uh, office politics film ever made. <laughs> um, although less, well, you know, it, it's more expensive than uh, Cold War, and Cold War was way more of an office politics movie. Uh, in, in truth, you know, I, I Helios, um, I didn't expect a lot going in, to be honest, because Cold War, I think, is like one of the most overrated films of the decade. Um, so, I don't really expect that much from these directors. And in fact, you know, they kind of gave me what I expected. Uh, the film was very technically polished. Uh, the action sequences are quite good. Uh, the film is decently paced and, you know, it looks great and, you know, it, it's, it seems really professional. And, uh, you know, on that basis, it's, it's kind of easy to enjoy. It's got a lot of big stars too. But, 
it, it, it does lack in some very important ways. Uh, I, I think it starts well up until the point where, well, you know, uh, there's like a big action sequence that takes place at a motorcycle chase in the streets and you know, a firefight in a parking garage. Um, up until that point, actually, it's, 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 it's going fine. You kind of wonder where the twist is going to be or what's going to make this, what's, what's going to make this film, where's the film going to go? Mm. I think, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really interesting and, you know, it, the tension moves up and it introduces all the players and you feel like the film is, is exciting and interesting, but, you know, where's it going to go? What's, what's, the, what's, what's the hook here? And the hook turns out to be, yeah, you know, it's just like a bunch of people in a room going, well, uh, China is in charge. Don't you forget about it. And, you know, that's, 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 it's, it's, it's an interesting twist. And actually the, the thing is, because what you described, you, you described that it's about, um, they want to, China wants to draw out Helios. But, you know, besides that, it's also about, you know, kind of establishing their dominance. It's like saying, hey, look, China's in charge. Um, everybody, you know, pay attention. You know, <laughs> you know, we're on the map. Hello, China. Uh, that, that's kind of what Wang Chi, his character is doing. He comes in and kind of just advises and says, hey, you know, everyone pay attention because you know, China's going to step in and, and uh, don't you forget about it. And it, it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, I saw it with the Hong Kong audience and Hong Kong audiences, they really, they just, they get this type of story. How China's there, like taking command without really taking command, if you get my meaning. Because Hong Kong is supposed to be autonomous to a certain extent. But, you know, China just kind of, kind of comes in and shoves people around and people just fall in the line. Other people are like, well, what are you doing? Why are you letting China, uh, why are you letting China push you around? So there's, there's really a, uh, a dynamic in the film that really speaks to local people. And uh, I think that makes the film really entertaining for them and for me to a point, and it's interesting for that. But I, I don't think it works for everybody. I don't think people who see this overseas are going to see it exactly the same way. They're not going to see that dynamic and, and view that as something that's that really makes the film for them. Yeah, I you think know, that's perhaps one of the weaker points of the film in that if this does go to an international audience, a lot of that political subtext is going to be missed. Um, I watched this with my dad in, in, the, in the theater, and I was trying, I was having to lean over and explain to him because he was confused as to, you know, what, what, well, you know, why is this guy from China coming in and, and what's the problem? I mean, you know, Hong Kong, China, where, where's the, what, what's the issue? And I had to try and explain to him, you know, some of the, some of the subtext that was going on because uh, he, he, you know, he's not up on local politics and uh, you know, some of the local issues that, that have been going on. So I think it might be read a little bit differently. Um, and there might be a disconnect for international audiences who are not up on current. Because the idea, I think, should be, you know, if I didn't know much about this, my idea would be that, you know, why does anyone in Hong Kong have a problem with it? Just listen to your government. You know, you're listening yeah. to China. China, this is what you're supposed to do. And, you know, the bomb's not going to be here forever and it'll be gone and you'll be feel good about it, right? Uh, sure, they want to hear an extra week because that's that's the plot point in the movie. Everyone's like, okay, ship this bomb back to Korea, and China comes and goes. Nah, let's leave it here for a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, and then you you made a Facebook post. Yeah, yeah, to this. yeah. that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just yeah, um, yeah. We we uh, Kevin and I we likened uh, likened uh, the politics in uh, in uh, in Helios to Office Space. Where it's like, you know, you have the middle manager coming in and telling people, well, yeah, let's do it my way. And everyone's like, what? Because the idea that you're going to keep a nuke in Hong Kong for any period of time, it's just, you know, everyone's like, what? why would you do this? This is horrible. Um, but part of the reason people behave like that in the film 
versus like you know the chinese guy coming in and saying oh we're gonna do it and everyone's like you know no no i don't want to do it it's because you know the whole thing about china and hong kong you're not seeing eye to eye is it's just is that, that that is the subtext yeah. china and hong kong do not see eye to eye um you know china can be all paternal and, and do whatever they want but hong kong is gonna be like no 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 way dad and that's that's pretty much what happens in the film you know of, co- of course in a much more serious and less jokey manner than i just said um so yeah audiences don't get that i think you know they, they, they just wonder what the big deal is but you know that you could also read too far into it too because you could think about watching this film and saying oh this film really is showing you that china knows best so obviously it's just more political crap uh, actually i will give the film credit because even though there's this whole discussion in the film about china versus hong kong and who's right who's wrong there the, the film doesn't present china as being correct or incorrect it drops the situation on the table and just kind of like lets people decide. I don't know if you feel this that way or not. Um, I, I felt it didn't like, you know, try to like sit here and, and push China's dominance. It, it kind of illustrated the issue where Hong Kong people don't trust China to make decisions for them. But it didn't say that Hong Kong people are right in thinking so. And it didn't say that they're wrong and not listening to China either. So uh, I give the film a small bit of credit for, you know, not pushing its ideology or someone's ideology someone's agenda unlike cold war which was really annoying to me because cold war had that whole thing where it's like you know the rule of law matters so so who cares about telling the public and blah 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 you know your government knows what's going on we're going to take care of you you remember that in cold war don't you yeah yeah you know andy lao goes out there as a government guy and he just you know says hello press shut up listen to me (laughs) i will now tell you the story and the press is not saying they're all happy and you know so so content you know that doesn't happen well what Um, if it was andy lao (laughs) Yeah, okay, you're right about that. But, you know, the, the idea that uh, that we should trust our government, that came out in Cold War. Helios, it doesn't happen. So I give Helios that bit of credit where it, it just at least drops it on the table and just lets you think about it or you kind of can 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 be entertained by that uh, that parallel with life. That's it. And so that's, that's one point for Helios, in my opinion. But yes, international audiences know they're not going to get it. I think the film, it tried to establish this sort of cat and mouse between the different parties. So you've got, for example, on the Hong Kong side, you've got uh, Jackie Chung playing this uh, professor, this professor from Hong Kong University. He's a professor of physics, and I guess he's in charge of things like, you know, um, evacuation planning in in case of nuclear emergency and this kind of thing. So he's kind of brought on board as an advisor. Um, and you've got Nick Chung and and Sean Yu on the police side of things who are kind of taking action to try and track everything down. But then you've got um, uh, Ji Jin Hee and uh, Choi Si Wan coming in from the Korean side uh, as observers. But of course, any chance they get to grab a gun and, and do some action, they, they do so. Um, <laughs> and then you've, of course, got, uh, as you mentioned, um, Wang Shui Chi coming in as the... The, the China diplomat, and it bounces around too. You've, um, you know, Mike Leader is here as Mr. Big, uh, and his brother. Yeah, and, um, and his twin brother, very good. And uh, he's kind of he's playing like the buyer, and it jumps around between Hong Kong and and Macau, and it 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 kind of has a big feel to it in terms of the production because of the cast. Um, my one disappointment though was that as these different groups are kind of jockeying around for position. Uh, to meet their own agendas, I was kind of thinking there was going to be more 
tension between them, more of a standoff at certain points, and that never really kind of came to play. There's a scene like where they go to a mosque, and the Koreans are negotiating um, with some uh, Muslims in Hong Kong to try and, you know, work out a deal where they're going to turn over one of the cops in order. Yeah, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking and, about. And I was, I was getting really interested in all that, but it didn't really kind of play out um, as, you know, I was kind of expecting like this, you know, infernal affairs kind of rooftop standoff at some point. We never really got something that really felt that big. Um, for at least for my taste, I, I think it was a good effort. It just didn't kind of feel like it followed through to completion. We, what we did get though was we did get some uh, a lot of action scenes, and I think it was very slickly done. Chin Kalak uh, responsible for a lot of the action direction. Um, I did think that it went a little bit over the top in in some places, um, but for me the biggest disappointment was at a certain point the Koreans are having a shootout and they stop in the middle of the shootout to have this melodramatic scene. I'm just thinking, what? No, it, you know, it, it just was like, you don't do that at that point in time. Um, so it felt a little bit um, uneven, but um, really big cast. I mean, you've also got like Janice Mann as um, this assassin and, uh, you know, she's, uh, she kicks some butt in this movie. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, her voice is wrong for the role. You know, it's too little girly. She could use some dubbing, yeah. but um, she, uh, she, you know, she, physically it works. You know, she's only five foot five, and and yet, you know, you don't realize. <laughs> so it's it, it's you know, hats off to her. She yeah. was she was a bright spot in the film. She fights Nick Chung. That that, that scene, it's a fun scene because yeah. they just they're just going crazy and and hitting each other. And if if you remember properly, Nick Chung was her father in Nightfall. So <laughs> nice job, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she bites him, and he's like you know, slamming her against the wall. And yeah, that that's impressive. Yeah, uh, it's got it's got good action and it's like I said it's professionally done. But I, I I get what you mean. My thing was that it drops a lot of things on the table and doesn't really follow through on any of it. Mm. It's uh, besides the stuff about Hong Kong and China. You you brought up that point about yes, yeah, said you know they're just talking about oh should we betray our our Hong Kong comrades for information, and it it never amounts to anything. You know it just. It, even when they, they 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 follow through on something relating to that, that doesn't amount to anything. The film doesn't have a a consistent dramatic or emotional backbone to it. Um, there's no uh, overarching story that you identify with or that you're following to really to completion. Mm. You're you're not really wondering. Oh, you know, I hope this doesn't happen to this guy. I hope this doesn't happen to him. That those stakes don't exist in the film. So you don't have that. You know, no matter what, you're just being jerked around by whatever they're doing to deal with the bomb. Mm. You know, even you don't care if it leaves Hong Kong. You're not worried. Oh, it better leave Hong Kong soon. You know, I'm on the same side as Jackie Chung and the Koreans. I want this bomb out of Hong Kong. You don't care. They want it out of Hong Kong. Uh, the other guys, Nick and uh, and Sean Yu, are like, yeah, well, I, I we don't want it in Hong Kong either, but we gotta listen to our boss. And the other guys are like, you know, no, no, it's staying here. You know, because we're gonna draw Helios and be, uh, you know, in charge what side am I supposed to take? You know, I, I never get it. You know, I should, I guess, go with Nick Chung, I mean, with the Jackie Chung and the Koreans because who wants a bomb in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. But even then, I don't really care. I, there's never any sense that it's going to, you know, like, you know, it's going to explode in Hong Kong or something really terrible is going to happen. So I, I don't have that thing to grab onto. I don't have that story that's going to pull me along emotionally. And then there are other little things that happen in the film. Like, you know, Nick Chung is, he, he does some really bad things as the cop, as the main uh, counter-terrorist guy. You know, he waterboards somebody, and he, uh, you know, of course, he beats up a girl. <laughs> so it's like, wow, you know, and, and Nick, you're a hard ass. 
but you know, is it a good or bad that he's this way? You don't know. You know that you don't. You're not meant to feel that. There's no. There's no. The film doesn't make you think that someone should pay for something versus someone else, mm. or someone should triumph. Should someone triumph? Should someone lose? You don't feel that. You know, there's all these players, and you don't. You don't get pushed to a corner where you care about the outcome that much. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sad. Some people get hurt and even killed, but. It's not something that you know you were really. Oh no! I hope this doesn't happen. You know, it's so that is that's the failure of it. They're really it's entertaining to a point, but only in pieces. You, you don't you don't get the thing that draws you from the beginning to end. You, you had that Infernal Affairs. If you want to use that as your comparison, Infernal Affairs. It, it's about you know, will they find out about Andy? Will they? Uh, will Tony get out of this mess? Um, I want Tony to get out of this. Man, look at this guy. He's so sad. You know. Yeah, and that's Tony's acting, and also you know they, they they write the perfect parallel in there between the characters. This film doesn't have that; it's too busy trying to trick you. Mm, yeah, yeah, especially with the relationship with the uh, uh, Josephine Koo's character as a minor role, but you know they kind of set her up initially to. You're never sure. Are you supposed to feel sympathetic towards her, and then you know maybe not, and it's. Um, the film it's kind of all over the place with with some of the characterizations i think here's a question i have for you because I, I talked to someone about this about this part of the film and it's like were you confused that maybe the bomb was called helios for a period of time N no i wasn't because i i mean I, I i very early on they referred to it as dc8 and they made made some point of mentioning it being called davy crockett and that just stuck in my mind for some reason okay but see, um, some people I've talked to, they say, you know, they, they, for a while they think that the bomb is Helios. And then they realize that, oh, no, Helios is the name of the arms dealer, you know, that's, that's, that's stealing the bomb and selling it, right? And, and when you're watching the film, you just ask yourself, why is the film named after this arms dealer? Well, see, this, this is the thing, and I think this kind of leads us into the ending, territory? into the ending, which we won't spoil here, um, but they do go for a twist. And... I think that they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to set up a sequel, which is... is well, actually, I would disagree with you, but go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why to, later. To, to me, it came across that they were just trying to trying to set up the sequel, and it's, it's almost like an Empire Strikes Back moment in some ways, except you don't do that with Star Wars, right? You don't do that with the first movie. You need to establish that something is successful and that people like something and they want to see more of something... <laughs> Before you decide that, okay, we're automatically going to play this out as a, you know, as, as something that, you know, we're going to come back to and, and deal with in, in another movie. Um, see, here's the thing. Well, well, first of all, the ending, you know, pisses off everyone who watches the film. <laughs> like I said to you before, if, if this movie was a B for you, toward getting towards the end, once the ending happens, it drops to a D. Because the ending doesn't really do anything for you. It's just like, oh, it's still going. And there's no uh, real resolution, no real closure. It opens more questions up that never get answered, and it's frustrating. You know, you don't even get any sense of... Cold War also had an open ending to a point. There was a hint at the end of Cold War, there's more guys out here uh, that, you know, are, that were working with the bad guy, and they may come back and hurt people. And so Cold War had that too. But Cold War also at least had someone getting caught. You know, it, it had some revelation that did mean something to the characters, if you recall. I don't want to spoil Cold War either. Um, but yes, it, it did have that sort of thing going on where there was some closure, not fully, but it kind of at least brought the film's story to an end. Uh, Helios doesn't really have that. 
Um, aside from the fact that, yes, maybe by the end you do realize, well, that the movie's called Helios. At the same time, I, I just don't think the ending is really worth the two hours that you spent. Hmm. Because you weren't in this film to be, care about Helios. You were in it to care about the bomb and what happened to the bomb and what the people you know did about the bomb, not about Helios. So yeah. I, I have an issue with that. But the thing that I uh, that I wanted to bring up about the ending, where you said that it's made for a sequel, and I agree it's made for a sequel, but in some ways I don't think necessarily they, they need it. Because I think just like the end of Cold War, the films are written this way to get around China. Yeah. Because they're written with open endings, so they can provide something that seems edgy, but isn't because you just didn't resolve it. That's why you can do it. So evil doesn't officially win, right? Um, China doesn't lose because the story is still going. It's well, I, like guess it, I guess it depends on on the perspective you're you want to view this from. So it's, yeah, it's just it, I, I think I think you know it's it's their trick. It's yeah. it's how they can can write a story a certain way, and they they don't have to like because if you put like if you if you like you know dot your eyes and cross your t's and you end your story, usually you reach and you reach some sort of conclusion that, that offers an opinion or a take on something. And when you do that, usually, unfortunately, in Chinese films, we know it's that, you know, government never did anything wrong, and, you know, all Chinese people are very nice. And sure, there are bad people in Hong Kong, it's because they were here before 1997. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. There, there's that whole thing going on. So I think here, it's like if they did that, are you just groan? You're like, oh, I just did it again. You know, the government saved the day, and, and you know, and of course there's no corruption because, you know, Chinese people can't be corrupt. The government is very nice, and the PLA is wonderful. I mean, that's the story they usually tell you. But here they kind of hint that, you know, maybe it's not the case. But they don't tell you because that is the open ending. Yeah. So you can interpret it any number of ways. You can interpret it as, oh, this person is lying. Oh, this person, oh, there is a traitor in, the, in China. Or, or you can interpret it all these different ways. And the reason you can is because they didn't end it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I feel that... It's like this is them going, aha, Hong Kong people will think this is very satisfying because they think that, that you know, China was fooled by the, you know, the, 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 the mastermind arms dealer. Whereas China will go, ah, that mastermind arms dealer, that's okay, we got him. And, you know, we, we know that, you know, he can never go anywhere because we trapped him. And uh, we captured his, his friends. And uh, you see, you can interpret it any way that you want. And because of that, I think that's why they do it. They don't want to put a, a definitive end on it because if they do, then they have to compromise somehow. Yeah. That's very true. So yeah, this this, this is my take on, on why both their films end with these open endings. They hint towards sequels. Not because they really intend on giving you that sequel. It's just because that way they can kind of, uh, you know, pretend they're doing more than they really are. Yeah. I, I will say that uh, uh, my, my two final points on it, I, I did, I think I did overall enjoy it more than Cold War. But partially it's because I went into this with a lot less buildup. Whereas with Cold War, we had like nonstop oh, yeah. I, marketing for that movie then, for like six months beforehand. And remember that that was that those were hilarious. That that that, that period of time, yeah, you know, because we had all those trailers. We go to a movie and it'd be like Gordon Lamb would appear and go, "This script is the greatest thing I've ever read." And then they cut to another guy going, "Usually I, I make crap, but not this time." <laughs> Cold War is awesome, and it, yeah, they, they gave me these this, this terrible marketing campaign. If I, and the film itself was pretentious, so. For those two reasons, yes, I will agree with you that I kind of enjoyed Helios more. Cold War probably works better in that, you know, in a vacuum, I would say Cold War at least at least kind of resolves itself. Um, Helios does kind of pull one over on the audience in a way that is really unforgivable. 
but um, I enjoyed Helios more personally because I didn't have to deal with all the uh, all the um, all the pretentious. Uh, you know, pontificating about, you know, right and wrong, the rule of law, and oh, but, you know, uh, uh, the government knows what's best for you, and, you know, all that stuff. Mm. And that, that didn't happen in this, so I, I was, I probably yeah, enjoyed it more, but a lot, actually, a lot of people do not like Helios. Western audiences, I found, don't like Helios at all. And uh, it's, it's in a way not surprising. It's a little surprising, because you think they would just like something because it's slick, but in truth, probably they, they just get bogged down in all those long conversation scenes that you and I may find interesting, but you know they they're just like what, mm. you know, what's the big deal? Well, so if I, if I learned anything, it's that hacker nerds are universal, right? Because they all yeah, have those rooms filmed with anime and Batman stuff up well, on also. <laughs> you know, this film you really have to like you really have to swallow your disbelief because you know a lot of things and it make no sense if you really think about. It. I'm sorry, if there's a nuke in Hong Kong, if there's a nuke in Hong Kong, if 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 I'm anywhere in, in, in the government and I know, what? Nick Chung and Sean Yu are the only guys between a nuke and the bad guys? F this. Get the army out there. I don't care if they're from China. It's like the thing is stored underground in a bunker. And it's like 30 people are there. It's like, I'm sorry. You call the entire government to stand in front of that bomb. <laughs> no, I think the entire government would be on leave. Okay, fine. But, you know, <laughs> everyone you could order to stand in front of that bomb except for yourself, you would. I mean, the, the, remember there was this one part where, what's his name, uh, Wang Shechi says, you know, if you guys want, I can release the PLA from their garrison in Wanshai to help you guard this bomb. And Ding Chung's like, no, it's okay. And you're like, what? <laughs> Nick, who cares if it's the PLA? It's a bomb. You don't want, like, you know... Accident. You know, even if someone betrays you, okay, you know, and, and takes the bomb out, they'd have to go through the entire PLA, and that's not bad, you know. So it, it, it's it has things like that that just completely just defy defy belief. Yeah. It's like if I were Nick, it's like there's a, a new cure. I'd be like, well, this is way above my pay grade. Chief executive, what am I doing? <laughs> it, it, no one gets the chief executive on the line, you know. This this film needed Michael Wong and Andy Lau to show up. Yeah, I, just go, I, I definitely second that motion. Yeah, just to show up and go, you know, why aren't we being consulted? We're higher ranked than you, <laughs> Nick Chung and uh, Sean Yu. And Sean Yu, you're still a slacker. What the hell? Tuck in your shirt. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, th 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 that is a little really unbelievable to me. Yeah. That, you know, there's a nuke in Hong Kong. And, and, and the most you have is 30 people in an underground room with a bunch of computers. Uh, no, it, you, you need you need like every SWAT team in 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 Hong Kong. It's got to be in front of that tunnel, <laughs> you know, around the clock. Yeah, it's, sorry, I, I don't know if you thought about that, but to me, yeah, it's. But yeah, you you have to just kind of buy it so you can you can just enjoy the action sequences and the idea that you know Janice Man can put the bomb in the trunk of her car and drive away. <laughs> it's like that's a nuke. My God, you people. <laughs> Where's your helicopter? <laughs> yeah. Wang Shichi should have, you know, stayed in the U.S. saving Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. But you know what the Wang Shichi, you realize he doesn't have a title in the film as a government official. Um, yeah, he just has a name, right? They, they, yeah. They don't, they don't give him a rank or anything. Yeah, because they, they don't want to tell you what, you know, it, it, it's, it's little details are kind of amusing. And the fact that, you know, even him, it's like, you know, maybe I'll release these guys. What do you think? And then he goes, no, that's okay. We don't need your army. You know what one Chishi Shishi is supposed to say then? No, you need my army. <laughs> Nick Chung, I yeah. cannot believe you said no. I'm calling Andy Lau. 
Andy Lau is going to call you, Nick Chung, and tell you, no, use the RP. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, it, it had little unbelievable parts like that that I, I had fun with, but I don't think audiences are supposed to enjoy them. Well, there you have it, folks. Helios, uh, you know, if you liked Cold War, uh, perhaps you will like this uh, a little bit better, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but uh, decide for yourself, because I think the overall views have been somewhat negative. I'm, I think I, again, liked it a little bit more than most, uh, but it's certainly not without its flaws. Do you think Hong Kong people liked it? I mean, do you know? Do you talk to anyone? I mean, eh, the, the audience I was with seemed, you know, they, they, nobody left early. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, for me, the biggest draw was seeing Jackie Chung on screen because it's not like he makes a lot of movies these days. It's got a lot um, of things that local audiences will appreciate more than foreign ones. I totally yeah. agree. And uh, yeah. like I said, they, they do get into that Hong Kong China thing because it really reflects their life. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's not a good movie, but it's not terrible, terrible. I've seen much worse movies. And uh, more and worse movies came out this year. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Helios, see it or not, um, but, you know, uh, don't bring nukes to Hong Kong, please. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com, or you can follow us over on Twitter. That is twitter.com slash concast. Or you can email us. Uh, that is uh, eastscreen at gmail.com. Uh, Ross, of course, you've got your site. Uh, you've also got uh, writings out there and uh, Twitter. So where can people keep up with you? Probably just uh, best to visit the website, uh, lovehkfilm.com. Um, my Twitter, uh, there's a link there to my Twitter and my Facebook, my Ask FM, pretty much everywhere people contact me. So that's the easiest way and uh, the safest. Hmm. And for your writing you do for the local magazine Baccarat, does that ever go up online? Is there No, it, it doesn't. It's, no. it's purely print. Um, so, yeah, no, no one can enjoy all, all, the, all the crap yeah. I write. That gets well, if print. you do get a chance to come to Hong Kong, try and pick that up off the newsstands and uh, look for... Uh, uh, Ross or Kozo, uh, what, what, what do you use there? As use your Kozo. Name? Kozo, yeah. Uh, look for his articles in Baccarat. Uh, next episode, 163. Uh, not sure what's on the agenda, whether it's going to be um, Full Strike or The Taking of Tiger Mountain. Depends on what I'm going to be able to get out and see between now and then. Um, the likelihood is is uh, that it'll be one of those two. I don't think we're going to do a Mad Max show. And uh, hopefully Kevin will be back from cons, and he'll have a lot of cons news to uh, share with us, you know, and all his hobnobbing with the celebs and whatnot over there. So all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying a belated happy Mother's Day, and thank you all to all you moms out there for putting up with your geeky kids, and we will see you next time. But but please tell them, stop harassing. Stop harassing. (laughs) Ah!